Good morning. May I ask that you turn your Bibles to Luke and uh, chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. We will read together from verse 39 to verse uh, 56. The Bible reads as follows, Luke chapter 1, verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled with hungry he has filled with hungry, sorry, he has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our, our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. May we just join our hearts together again, pray that the Lord will indeed attend to us in this moment as we consider together his word. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, indeed we do ask that you will be merciful to us. For you are a God who indeed is merciful to your own, and yet you are a God who is high and lifted up. And we would pray, O oh God, that in these moments that you would condescend and come and be with us, O oh Father, that we may all know something of a blessing from you, the living God. And so attend to me, O oh God, by your spirit, and attend to all present in this auditorium by your spirit. And we ask that it will please you, therefore, to glorify yourself in our midst and to thus cause your name to be known, not only today, but in days to come. Will you do this for us, O God, we pray. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, we are in a season when... Uh, the world indeed is supposed to, to remember the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a lot being done and said concerning the nativity stories of our Lord uh, Jesus Christ. And uh, yet many people will celebrate these things not knowing much about the Christ of uh, Christmas. 
And as we head towards these things, it's worth a while for us to remind ourselves appropriately about the Lord Jesus Christ and indeed to bring these things properly to our minds. And the book that we have chosen to consider together, the book of uh, Luke, Luke himself uh, in stating uh, the reason why all these things have been written, even concerning the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, he, he says the following in Luke chapter 1 and uh, uh, verse 1 uh, to verse 4. I want to read it for you. It says this, inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and, and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all these things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. And this record of scripture, and particularly what Luke is saying, is that when we read these things, it is so that you may have certainty of uh, the veracity of the things that are recorded for us, for our own good. And here is one such uh, testimony of uh, the things that uh, God uh, has done, and uh, particularly all these things related to our Savior taking upon himself uh, human nature and coming to die in our place on uh, the cross. We have from verse 46 to verse 56 Mary's song, Mary's song of praise, and if you like, a psalm. Of, uh, of, of Mary. There are three other psalms like this by others uh, here, but here is Mary's psalm. And uh, all this is in view of what she already was being told and coming to uh, Elizabeth, who also was uh, expecting. And, and Elizabeth telling Mary the great things that the Lord is, is doing. And uh, it says, and Elizabeth was filled with uh, the, the Holy Spirit. And uh, uh, Mary then treasures these things. And as she is uh, told about the things that she had already been aware of, because by this time the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ was already foretold. And Mary, therefore, when she greets Elizabeth, the baby in Elizabeth's womb jumps up. And all this is by the Spirit, verse 45. And blessed is he who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And all this, Mary, therefore, exclaims in this great song that we have for us in verse 46. To verse 56. This great psalm. And I want you to notice that the, in the first few verses, the, Mary says, my, the, the Lord is indeed magnified in me, but more than that, my soul magnifies the Lord. And so this uh, psalm is called the Magnificat. And really, just from, that's the Latin version of the word magnifies uh, the Lord. But she begins by celebrating, first of all, the glory of God and his majesty. And as he does so, he, uh, she, she looks at herself and considers herself most favored. She said, for he has looked on the humble state of his servant. And she's really uh, referring to herself. And then behold, she sees a great array of the great work that the Lord was already doing and that the Lord was going to do. And then she turns away from uh, looking at herself and uh, the singular blessings that she was uh, receiving and also the fact that she was going to be a blessing to others also. She goes and looks at 
others and sees that indeed God is going to be merciful. And God is merciful. Hence, verse 50 to verse uh, 54 that we're going to consider together today. But uh, for now, just verse 50. And he said, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm and he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. And on she goes in her great singing and in her great jubilation and in her praise to, to God. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. And I want you to notice uh, with the verses that are following that she sees the whole history of what God has done. And particularly that God has indeed been gracious and that God indeed has, has visited them. And God has visited them as uh, a people and not only her alone. And that in the work that she was going to do to be the mother of uh, our Savior, that was God doing a great work in the whole land. But as we see, it is actually in all generations, from generation to generation. And I want us to consider these things that uh, Mary sings about in this text, and we'll see uh, three things. And in, in this I want you to see who God is, that Mary saw. Mary rejoiced, and she says, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And uh, he, he says, behold, from now on, all generations who call me blessed, for he who is mighty, he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And I want you to keep this in mind, that Mary sees God as the God of her salvation. And then she also sees him as the mighty one who has done great things and also sees him as the holy one. Holy is his name. These three things I want us to keep in mind because this is exactly what caused Mary to rejoice in this way. And I trust that for those who know God, who know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, that all the while when you think of your salvation, you are like Mary. You rejoice in God, and you rejoice in God as your salvation. And that also you see him as the great one, who continues to do great things for you. It's not just a historical fact that you have, but you, you are able to testify right from your moment of salvation that he is the God who does great things. And as you walk with him on a daily basis, what hits you all the time as you get closer to the Lord is the fact that he is holy in all his being. And Mary, the thing that she sees in uh, this text is that she, first and foremost, she sees him as the one who is full of mercy, as the merciful God. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Friends, when we talk about mercy, we are speaking of the favor that God shows to all who are miserable sinners, and that is all of us. All of us, we are poor, miserable sinners. And even those who do not believe and accept God's mercy, in the inner recesses of their hearts, they will acknowledge all the time that they are indeed poor, miserable uh, sinners. And actually, the word mercy that is here in our text here is a word that emphasizes God's grace because of the misery that is uh, known by all of us. And, 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 and therefore, 
Mary is immediately dealing with the fact of uh, God's grace towards her. You remember when the angel came to her in verse 30? The angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Don't be afraid, Mary. And this is experience that Mary is talking about, apart from other experiences that she probably had. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob. And for an ordinary woman, therefore, an ordinary young lady to receive a message like this from God, to her is a message of mercy. It's a message of mercy that God goes beyond what she is and specifically and specially favors her. You know, he, uh, in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4, it says that God he is rich in mercy because of his great love for us, actually. He is rich in mercy. And that's the nature of God. And uh, when you look at uh, the Psalm of Mary, and just not specifically, just pause a little and see how she, she, she starts. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. You notice that she is overwhelmed. Overwhelmed by not what God has done to her only and what God is promising to do, but she is also overwhelmed by the very being of God. She sees him as one who is great in all ways, as one who is very high. And for such a one to come and say to her, you have found favor uh, with God. It's, it's a tremendous blessing. And it's, it's, it's a great joy. And this is what we should all know. And I pray that when we come to a service like this and we begin to imagine who God is, that he is the creator of the whole universe, that God sustains everything that he has uh, created. And when you think about God's creation, you, 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 you come to know that even to know everything about what he has made is impossible. And that's why every moment in your life you discover new things. But these are not things that are new to God. For he is the one who, who made them. And uh, think about it therefore about his great immensity. And think also about the many things that he has done. The things that you have heard about and the things that we read about. Even this uh, story here about Mary and that God comes to Mary and he sends his angel, go and tell Mary this. And when you think of all these things, I think you will immediately agree with me that you are seeing the mercy of God. You are seeing that indeed he is rich in mercy. And this is the good news of the gospel. This is the good news of uh, the Christmas story. That God, who in his essential nature and in all his character and in all that he is, he is also merciful. Now, we are all deserving of uh, the punishment of God because of uh, who we are and because of what we have done. We all deserve the punishment of God. But God holds back his punishment. God holds back his, uh, his punishment. Instead of punishing us, he holds back. And you see this 
even as uh, we see the nar narrative of God's actions with his people. In Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve sin against God, and when they come to see that indeed they have sinned, and God comes upon them, you notice that God doesn't come to them in all his power and wrath. He, 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 he doesn't. In Genesis chapter 3, you notice that when they become fully aware of what they had done and fully aware also uh, in terms of what they knew about, uh, about God, he drives them away from uh, the garden. But what does he do? Read verse 22 with me in Genesis chapter 3. But let us take verse uh, 21 as well. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now let he reach out his hand and take us of the tree of life and eat and live forever. And therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to wake the ground from which he was taken. Now, is that what they were deserving? This is a great illustration of God's dealing with man. He finds a solution uh, for the disobedience of Adam and Eve. And he finds a, a solution to what they had become. And he finds a solution to keep them safe even from his own wrath. And finds a solution to keep them away for what, that which they could become and fail to handle. And that's what God is. And that's, how, that's what he does uh, with us all the while. It is God who made garments. It's God who says, all right, we will send them away. Okay, we will make them indeed go and till uh, the ground. This is mercy. And actually, all the while, when you read in, uh, in the Bible about mercy, it is this aspect that you, you, you read all the time. Uh, and we don't have time to look at all these things. If we had, we would have seen all these things. But it's God's disposition towards us. And that disposition is what he applies in the way he relates to us all, all, all the time. And when you read mercy, when you hear about mercy, you must therefore think of God's compassion. You must think of God's uh, patience. And you must think of God's uh, goodness, kindness. And therefore, God's mercy is synonymous with his, his kindness. They go hand in glove all, all the time. And mercy therefore gives this idea of God holding back that which he would do against us for the way that we have related to him, for the way that uh, we have actually, I would use the word, treated him. Friends, Mary comes in her song, therefore, and sees God. But her view of God leads her to see the great kindness of, of God. God is rich in mercy. And therefore, in his actions towards us, all the time God is indeed uh, patient. He is patient. One young man at the youth camp we had just now showed me a, a quotation from uh, uh, the author and blogger, uh, Tim Chalice. 
and it read as follows. God is always acting in patience. It is God extending patience to those who deserve punishment. That is the patience of God, uh, Tim Charles says. And that is true. And that is God's patience too. And that is God's mercy. Extending his patience to those who deserve to be punished. And that's us. God doesn't owe us anything. We owe God everything. And by his very nature, he doesn't need anything from us. And he can do without us. And he cannot fail to punish us for our sin. But rather, he therefore extends his patience towards us that while we were yet sinners, he sends his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to come and die in our place on the cross. And therefore, the cross on our, on our end transforms what is supposed to come to us from God. Instead of wrath, we have mercy, uh, therefore. And this is what Adam and Eve knew, therefore, that the Lord made for them garments of skins, and he clothed them, and that he, therefore, takes them away and places them in this place where now they are going to till the land. Even that is an act of, of mercy. It was a demonstration of the fact of God's goodness. Matthew uh, chapter 9 and verse 13 says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And generally, this is what uh, both Matthew 5 and uh, verse 7 which says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. mercy. And also chapter 9, verse 13, compounds all this and uh, gives it a summary. I desire mercy and not uh, sacrifice. In other words, the same thing that he has done is what he desires of all of us. Mercy, therefore, is important uh, for us. And it is necessary for, for us. And that is how God views us. When you look at who God is, friend, you will not run away from the fact of God's mercy. When you take a pause for a moment and when you look at your life and when you think of uh, the things that you have done, and also, when you see what others are doing, it, it becomes very clear all the world that you, you have sinned against God. And when you begin to see who God is, again, you, you see that God should have punished you and should have actually removed you from earth already. But God comes and uh, he is merciful towards us. Jonathan Edwards uh, says in his great sermon that God is pleased to show mercy to his enemies according to his own sovereign pleasure. Though he is infinitely above all and stand in no need of creatures, yet he graciously is pleased to take a merciful notice of poor worms of uh, the dust. And we agree 100% with uh, Jonathan Edwards. But friends, we need this mercy. And I'm sure you, you, you are seeing immediately why we need uh, mercy. And it is basically for this one reason that mercy triumphs over judgment. That God causes his judgment to be withheld against us. And he doesn't refuse his mercy but comes to us. He is a merciful God. But notice, dear friend, his mercy is for those who fear him. His mercy is for those who fear him. Mercy is available. Mercy is available for those 
who fear him. The word fear is a word that can be used in two ways. And uh, there are these uh, two senses uh, all the time when you, you think of uh, fear. There is a fear that is just a morbid fear, a fear of something bad happening to you and ends there. A fear that uh, we all can die. I know we all have that fear, that we we'll all die. There is also a fear that this can happen and yet there is a provision for you to escape it. But also there is a fear that goes with honoring the one uh, you fear. A son who has a father and outside that home that father is dreaded by all. But the son comes to the father and may even ask for good things from the uh, father. And yet this, that son will still retain that uh, fear. And the others don't even want to come anywhere near that man. And this type of fear is not what is being talked about uh, here. It is a fear that probably a son will have for a father whom he honors, a father whom he holds in highest uh, regard. And therefore, this song here, this psalm here, if you like, is a psalm that uses the word in the sense of a fear with honor, a fear with uh, reverence, and not just a fear which just leads you to dread and fear and not wanting to come anywhere near. But this is a fear that indeed makes you want to honor, and therefore it's a fear that wants you to honor the God who is merciful to you. Knowing, as Mary saw here, that her soul magnified the Lord and rejoices in God who is her savior, the God who indeed is mighty and the one who is the holy one. It's a fear that sees these three attributes of God in place and yet, at the same time, the fear that uh, indeed comes and says, I will come to you because of all these great benefits, but also because of who you are. And his mercy is for those who honor him, therefore. It's for those who will revere him in this way. And it is this, like a dutiful son, a dutiful child who says, this is my father, and I derive a lot of benefit from him. Though he is this and older and higher and bigger and powerful in all ways, yet I will come to him. Friends, this is what God calls us to. Do you relate to God in this way? Uh, do you relate to him in a way that you say you will indeed give honor to God. You will give honor to God in more ways than anybody can imagine. Mary says his mercy is for those who fear him. Those who fear him. The Bible says The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And Job 28 and verse 28 would say, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. In other words, the very definition of wisdom and the being of wisdom is actually the fear of God. And to turn away from evil is understanding. Job 28 
verse 28 would say. The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And so the Proverbs and the Psalms would say, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of uh, wisdom. And therefore his mercy is upon those that have begun to know what wisdom is. And wisdom is to know how to live. And wisdom is to know how to live well. And wisdom is to know how to relate well to others. And wisdom is to know how to get on in life and be able to prepare even for the future. And therefore, true wisdom is one that relates to God about the present and the future. And therefore, true wisdom is that which keeps you to have the right view of God. And the right view of God, therefore, is that you must fear the Lord. And it is, may I repeat, it is not a morbid fear of God. Just a fear that he will punish you. And indeed, you must fear that he will punish you for your sin. But wait a minute. He is a God of mercy. He therefore withholds his wrath upon you. And wisdom teaches you that there is God who is indeed seated in heaven, that there is God who is going to punish sin, and that there is God who will not punish your sin if you come to him today, just as you are, because he is a God of mercy. And that's what he wants to show to you today. And this is for all of us, even us who are Christians. Our daily living must be a living of the fear of God. And that fear of God is wisdom, to know how to live. And to know how to live is to know God, and is, is to know that God is, is merciful. The extent of his mercy, the psalmist would say in Psalm 103 and verse 11 and 12, that for as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. And do you know why? As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. The, the very things that would cause him to completely obliterate us, to utterly punish us, he removes. So far as the east is from the west, he removes our transgressions. Only because his mercy is as great as the heavens are above the earth. And therefore we can come to him. We can come knowing who he is and knowing what he can do to us. We can come with that fear in our hearts knowing that indeed this is our God. And we can actually come and own him and call him our God and our uh, Father. And this great rejoicing that Mary knew can be ours as well. Mary was an ordinary person, just like us. And the Lord comes to her and says, you have found favor with God. And you can find, you can find favor with God today. You can find favor with God today. Notwithstanding all that you are, notwithstanding all that you have done. He is merciful. Come, fear what he will do to you, but also fear that you will ignore even the message of Christmas. You will ignore that he is merciful. Fear that. Rather, may that fear actually draw you to the one who in, indeed is loving kindness one who has compassion towards you. One who, when he sees you and looks at you, he sees an object of his love, an object of his mercy, one for whom he came for and sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, therefore, to come and die for your sins. Be like that dutiful, obedient child who always wants to go to his father 
I know my father will be good to me. A good father will be loving towards his son. God is our heavenly father and he is goodness itself and he waits for you to come. Friends, this is what he wants Christmas to mean for you in this season, this year. That you may fear him because you know his mercy. This is what he wants you to know today. And also look, therefore, in the third place, that this mercy that he extends to those who fear him is for generations, is from generation to generation. Actually, the rendering here actually is, is just one that says is for generations. In other words, what Jesus Christ was yesterday, he is what is going to be today, and he, he is what is going to, to be for years to come. This promise, uh, therefore, of God's mercy, the goodness and the favor that Mary knew was the goodness and favor that Abraham knew also. It's a goodness and favor that the children of Israel knew. And hence, Mary speaks of this, and she says in verse 55, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. In verse 55, to his offspring forever. And uh, Mary, in this psalm, uh, therefore, she sees beyond just the goodness to herself and to her generation at the time she lived. She sees beyond uh, Joseph, her husband. She sees beyond those that would behold the birth of our Savior. And she sees actually beyond even the death of our Savior him, himself. From generation to generation to the end of the world. That God was going to have a remnant. God was going to have an elect up to this generation and up to where we are seated here today in this auditorium. There are those who will call upon the name of the Lord. And you can join this uh, company and sing together with uh, Mary and with the psalmist who sings of the steadfast love of the Lord. And all the while when you read the psalms, you actually see, if you go through all the psalms, and it's a good exercise to go through all the psalms, you see that there is a singing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever, as Psalm uh, 89 will say. I'll sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever, and forever with my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. I'll make known your faithfulness to all generations, the psalmist would say in Psalm 89. And the reason why he sees this is that he sees the work of our Lord Jesus Christ as, as a work that extends to all the history of mankind, right from Adam and Eve and all the way when history will be wrapped up and will all stand before the judgment seat of God. And therefore, there is a great thing that is being said here. From generation to generation, Mary is seeing that this work of Jesus Christ and what she was favored to carry was going to be one that would span the whole of history. Now, normally in life, generally, you want to pay attention to something that stands forever. And that's why monuments are important uh, for a people. And that's why even in uh, the history of the children of Israel, you, you saw that the Lord would lead them to make monuments. And even for us, we have uh, a monument, the Freedom Statue. And, and you see that uh, our politicians tend to go there to remember those who fought for our independence, they say. Those who died 
during the uh, freedom uh, struggle to, to, to make us see uh, that there's something that was done, something of great value was gained. And uh, those who are young uh, may not know the history and uh, may not understand uh, the things that the nation went through. That is a reminder. The Freedom Statue at Kamwala is, is a reminder. It teaches us certain things. And uh, when Mary says from generation to generation, it is this sense that is put across that there is something of great value, something that was gained specifically, and it must span the whole of history. But even if you don't see it, here it is, that Mary was favored to be the instrument in God's hand to bring something of greatest value to a human soul. It is your salvation. It must be comforting, therefore, that God would want to be merciful to me in much the same way as he was merciful to Abraham, in much the same way as he was merciful to the apostle Paul. And may it comfort you also that God would want to be merciful to you in exactly the same way and extend to you this blessing of life life that came through this human instrumentality, but a life that caused a person like Mary to produce this magnificent, to say, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And we look at the, all these words of uh, the song of Mary and what she said. You see, a great poem, and you see how she was moved by God. To paint things like this would have taken a poet to really sit down and think of this and think of the other. But God moved Mary by his spirit and she saw these things from generation to generation to this our generation to these our living years that indeed we can sing of the steadfast love of the Lord and say we can do this forever unto generation to generation, that we can see this today and be able to tell even the children who are being born now that indeed this salvation can be theirs. And in fact, what is being taught here, friends, is that this is a message for us today. It was the same message for those who lived before us, and it is the same message for those who live afterwards. And it's generation to generation, it's the same message that will carry us through all the way to heaven. But this is a message that will stand against you if you ignore what this season is saying to you. Oh, friends, even for us as Christians, the announcement here was that we're doing this and that for Christmas, for our evangelistic activities during this period, with all these things that we have seen in the youth ministries and the campus outreach ministries, that all this, this is also a message to us who are Christian, that this, we must be earnest about this now. The world is in need to know this Christ we are talking about during this season. And it's an urgent need. This generation, therefore, must know what Mary said they were going to know. Mary with her eye of prophecy, saw that indeed this generation was going to be in need of the great savior, that indeed she was indeed going to give birth to the savior of the world. She was going to give birth to one who was going to bring salvation to all. Oh, friends. May this be your comfort today. And I would like to close on this very note, friends, that the Lord's mercy and loving kindness are therefore continuing from every generation to every generation to every generation until history is wrapped up. That his mercy is available for us in much the same way 
it was available to those who saw Jesus Christ here on earth. And this, therefore, is our blessing today. That what Jesus Christ came to do on earth is available for all of us today. That Jesus Christ came to seek and save that which was lost and he has found those who need his salvation. And it is this generation included. And the comfort is this, that indeed this generation and today we can know his mercy. We are men and women, boys and girls, who are deserving of the wrath of God. But the, our God, our Savior, the God whom we serve, is rich in mercy. And indeed, he came by his death, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we may live. And God, therefore, has his love towards us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, we present a savior who looks at you with pity, who looks at you with all his patience, who looks at you with all his magnanimity, who looks at you with all his kindness. He looks at you with all his love. Friends, he looks at you with all the superlatives of love that I can use today. And he says, I have come to save you. That is what God has done for you. Mary says, for he is mighty and has done good things and great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Will you join the generation of those who will rejoice together with Mary? Oh, how I pray that this will be your record today and for the time you will be standing before God. Let's pray together. A Father in heaven, we do thank you and praise you that you are the God who pities us and therefore you respond in love towards us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And we want to thank you for what we see in this record of scripture, that the soul rejoicing of Mary may also become the soul rejoicing of all of us. May these words of scripture therefore be applied to our hearts to the effect that all gathered today will find salvation. May you be gracious to us, O oh God, because we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.